the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I love you guys. Grab your Bible if you have it today. And uh, if you haven't done so yet, take a minute to share this broadcast. And uh, as I said a moment ago, we're going to be covering why isn't my faith working? And I'm going to go through and we're going to give you a Bible checklist. We're going to talk about a checklist uh, that you can go through and understand if I'm not seeing what I want to see happen in my life. If I'm not seeing the things come to pass that I'm believing for, is there something that I'm missing out on? Is there something that I'm not doing uh, that's causing my faith to not produce as God planned for it to produce? Um, I was recently speaking with someone who was talking to me about how they believe about the Bible and they believe that there's certain portions of what you can read in the Bible that really are not things you can believe in as a promise. It's more of a principle that is generally true, but it's not necessarily a promise that's true every single time for every single person. Uh, and it's not going to come to pass like a promise would. Um, and, and so when you, when you believe like this, uh, it's very hard to understand what parts of the Bible you should take at face value and what parts that you shouldn't. You know, should I when I when I open up my Bible and the Bible gives me a definite phrase, you know, the one we were speaking of was uh, train them up. Speaking of your children, train your children up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Uh, that's a definite phrase written in, in inspired scripture. So when I read that with no other um, you know, there's, there's not actually any other, uh, what we would call conditions to that. It's just a phrase that was inspired by the Holy spirit for God's people. Um, am I not supposed to take that at face value? Am I not supposed to believe that it's true? And it's, so it's dangerous. Uh, you get into the word and, and then you say, well, I don't know which, which is supposed to really come to pass and which one is just a general principle that, you know, you never know. And it puts people in a place of, doubt and unbelief. Uh, it really, it gets you to a place where you don't know what you should believe and expect from the word of God. So there's some things that we're going to deal with today regarding faith. And we're going to talk about how faith works. And we're going to talk about some, uh, some pitfalls or roadblocks, if you, if you will, that would stop your faith from working. Uh, and we have, by the way, a brand new, it's coming soon, a faith course that's going to be launching in Miracle Word University. And right now we have three courses that we've launched in Miracle Word University that I would love for you guys to check out. Uh, if you're not familiar with what it is, Miracle Word University is an online training, uh, a group of online training courses that we've put together for uh, spirit-filled believers to give you a deeper understanding of the Word of God. And we've launched a course on the Holy Spirit, divine healing, and answered prayer right now. We have courses coming on faith, bibliology, end times, prophecy, and other things as well. But if you'd like to check it out, miraclewordu.com is where you can go to check those courses out. Look at the, the curriculum, the videos, and uh, every course is only $69. So it's very cheap and easily accessible to you on any device. And I want to encourage you guys to check that out. And we do have new courses coming soon, faith being one of them, because it's such a misunderstood uh, subject in the body of Christ. 
And, uh, you know, you, you, you don't want people to feel, and I've had this said to me, people are like, well, you know, don't make people feel like the reason that they're not receiving something from God is because they don't have faith. <laughs> and that says like, well, I would, I would love to do that, except that the Bible teaches us that everything we receive from God is received by faith, even salvation. Doesn't matter how much grace has been afforded to us through the the you know the love of our of God you know towards humanity, that even though He through love and grace sent Christ to die for our sins, we can't even receive salvation without faith. So everything we receive from God is received by faith, and I would love to change that and say, well, you know, God's just going to force you to receive some things. That's not how God works. And that's not how the word of God works. The word of God teaches us that faith is the currency with which we receive the promises of God. And if you're taking notes today, I want you to put that in the comments section. Faith is the currency with which we receive God's promises. Faith is the currency with which we receive God's promises. Faith is the currency with which we receive God's promises. Put that in the comments. It's so important that we get it and we understand it, that faith is our avenue into receiving the blessings of God. Faith is the avenue into receiving the blessings of God. Good morning, Billy. Good to see you on today. Faith is the avenue. And I'll start today with you guys in the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 11. And I think you may know where I'm going to go with this. Hebrews chapter 11, very important verse of scripture regarding faith. And um, yeah, pop that in the comments. Faith is the currency with which we receive God's promises. Without question, faith is it. And, and let, let, me, let me say this. Faith is a currency. It's a heavenly currency that holds the same value in every nation of the world. Let me say that again. Faith is a supernatural currency that holds the same value in every nation of the world. You know, any other currency has to go through an exchange rate. Any other currency, you know, when you took, if you were to take American currency and go into Jamaica or, uh, you know, Canada or wherever you may travel with it, that currency has to go through an exchange rate because the currency of that nation is not at the same value as the currency of our nation. So for example, the last time I was there, I believe that when you go to Jamaica and you you exchange one American dollar, you would receive 116 Jamaican dollars because the currency value is different in each nation. With faith, it's not that way. Faith is a currency in the spirit that holds the same value in every nation of the world. Faith is a supernatural currency that holds the same value in every nation of the world. And what do I mean by that? When you receive faith in the United States of America, it will produce the same kind of miracles that you would get if you received faith in on the continent of Africa or Asia, no matter what nation you were in, Nigeria, or if you were in, uh, you know, doesn't matter, you know, go around the world. You could be in J Japan. You could be living in Tokyo today and faith holds the same value. It produces the same level of miracles. It doesn't change, you know, because the reason I say it that way is because we have people that think it changes. They think it changes. So, well, brother, you know, they have those miracles over there in Africa. 
This just seems like miracles are happening in Africa. No, the same miracles are available and happening in the United States of America. The same miracles that are taking place on the continent of Africa are taking place in the United States of America. There's not a greater, uh, you know, if you were to use your faith in Africa, it's not like you go there to use your faith there and wow, I can get way more done with my faith in this nation than I can in the U.S. No, that's not true. Faith produces at the same level. Uh, the, the key is this, and I've, I've said this to people for years. They say, well, why do, you, why do you think it is that we see so many more uh, miracles and things take happen in, in volume or frequency in a place like the continent of Africa than we see in the United States of America? And this is what I would tell them. It's because in America, we've been given so many alternatives to the power of God that people don't have to exercise their faith like people do on the continent of Africa. For example, what if you were to live in, in a place like uh, you know Nigeria, where you're not gonna have the same level of healthcare and availability of healthcare that you would have in the United States of America in any state. You can't go to the corner to a CVS in Nigeria. You know, you can't you can't just run in to patient first in Nigeria. And if somebody's, I've heard that even the pastors talk like this, you know, even if there's, there's something safety wise, you know, if you go in and there's somebody that's coming to uh, assault you or harass you or hold you up or rob from you, you know, you could call, they were laughing. I heard them talking about it um, in one of their services. They said, you know, in America, they have a number you can call. They were referencing 911. They said, in America, they've got a number you can call. And when you call it, people show up to help you. They said, here in, in, in Nigeria, we could call any number, but the people that show up may be more crooked than the people that are holding us up. So, you know, it's availability. So when you've been given alternatives uh, to divine faith in God, then the flesh always wants to reach for what's easy. The flesh always wants to reach for what's available. And so I would say it this way, Christians in, in the United States of America, Canada, you know, North America at large, have not had to exercise their faith in the same way that Christians in a third world nation have had to exercise it. You know, here, if there's something going seriously wrong with you, you can just immediately go to a pharmacy, seek medical attention. Uh, all of those things are available to you and praise God for them. Thank God for technology. Thank God for science. Thank God that we have those things available to us. But I'm just making a point as to why people have not had to exercise their faith in the same way in the United States and in first world countries as they have in third world countries. What do you do when you're living in a third world nation and those things have not been afforded to you? They're not available to you. Well, you better either learn to believe God or you're going to die. You better learn to believe God for a miracle or you're dead and you're gone. And one of the things that's important to, in, to remember is that in these nations where, you know, they have no problem believing in supernatural uh, power because they see openly so much, uh, not just supernatural power on the Christian side, but on the wicked side. They see witchcraft and wizardry and witch doctors, and they think they see supernatural things happening that are demonic. So you don't have to go to those places and convince people that the supernatural is real. They already believe it. 
you know, and when you go to a nation, let's say you go to a nation like Nigeria, you had better be a part of some sort of power or you're dead. Meaning you better be a part of something that carries power in the natural or in the supernatural or you are dead. If you live in Nigeria, I'll give you three major ones. Let's say you lived in Nigeria. You had better either be a part of the nation of Islam. You had better be a part of uh, witchcraft and wizardry. Or you better be a part of Holy Ghost Christianity. One of those three things, you had better be involved or your life is pretty much over. You had better become a Muslim. You'd be better become a, a witch or involved in witchcraft. Or you better become a Holy Ghost filled Christian. Because the power that's active in nations like that is strongly active and in control. So, and obviously those that are Holy Ghost filled Christians are in control. I've heard amazing stories of, you know, even witchcraft that's tried to take uh, over. I'll give you some crazy stories that maybe you, you've never heard these and, and, you know, can't even imagine it in the United States. But, you know, witchcraft there is not like, you know, <laughs> Wiccans that are like, you know, trying to, you know, little white witches. These are people that are, are, are kidnapping people off the road in order to sacrifice them in the woods and drink their blood to gain power, wicked spiritual power. So we're not talking about like little, you know, tiny little witchcraft clubs, you know, outside of your high school. I'm talking about people that are trying to gain power. And the reason I came across this, I was reading uh, some of their prayer points that they pray overseas. And I, some of them I read, I was like, what is that prayer about? Why are they praying that? And it was, it was stuff like, you know, Lord, we take authority over our airspace. And I thought to myself, our airspace, you know, where they have like government helicopters that are flying through their church airspace trying to spy on them, or do they have like government planes that are trying to fly over their airspace? Or I didn't know what that meant. And then I was meeting with a man who is the head of the Church of God in Nigeria. And we were having dinner one night in, in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And I said, I've heard them praying some of these prayers. You know, we take authority over our airspace. Uh, and all this. And I said, what, what in the world is that about? He said, oh, let me tell you what it's about. He said, it's not helicopters or airplanes. He said in the night, and, he's, and he was Nigerian. So he's like, We've, we see this often. He said in the nighttime, when these witches go to meet with each other, they will literally by demonic power fly through the air to go to their destination. They'll fly through the air to go to the places where they're sacrificing people and things like that. He said, the reason you hear these ministries that are holding open air meetings and crusades, the reason that they're praying that, that they would take authority over their airspace. He said, it's commonly seen. And after he told me that I did some searching and I found that in Pastor Adeboye's crusades and others, Bishop Boydepo, uh, that this is seen, that as these witches are literally flying through the air, once they hit the airspace of God's people's property, it strips them of their demonic power to fly, literally, and they drop out of the sky and land on the ground in the midst of whatever the Christians are doing in a meeting. And that sounds cr like crazy and far-fetched to us in the United States. You know why? We're not seeing that kind of open wickedness and that open demonic practice in our nation. But to them, it's something that's day-to-day. -day. They're seeing it all the time. They know what parts of the woods to stay away from. They know what roads to stay off of. Because unless you carry power, you'd better stay away. 
But understand that the Christians full of the Holy Ghost carry the power that is the premier power that no demon can match. But if you're not a Christian, you know, you're in trouble in a nation like that. And so as a Christian, you're living in a place where there's more pressure than there's ever been. So you better have faith that produces miracles or you're done. You see what I mean? So we've been afforded in in the United States and North America, we've been afforded so much convenience and we've been afforded so much um, uh, alternative decision-making. You know, you can, you can run to CVS, you can run to the police, you can run, you know, it's all that. People don't have to exercise their faith in the same way to stay alive. And so it's not that our faith does not work like their faith, it does. But think of it this way. Faith can be thought of as a divine or supernatural muscle. Faith can be thought of as a supernatural muscle. And notice this, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll give it to you as an analogy. You know, you look at somebody who spends all their time in the gym, and let's say you look at their biceps, you look at their triceps, you look at their arms are, are massive. You think, my goodness, I mean, dude's arms are huge. And then you look at your own, and they're very small. You're like, man, I wish my arms looked like that. Well, it, remember this. It's not because your arms can't look like that. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with the fact that your arms cannot look like that. It has the fact to do with they have dedicated themselves to making their arms look like that, whereas I have not dedicated myself to making my arms look like that. I have the same muscles in my arms that they have. I have biceps. I have triceps. I have those muscles. But the key is they've built theirs and I've not built mine. We both have the same muscles, except theirs look different. And the same is true with faith. We all have faith. The Bible says that faith, God has given to every man a measure of faith. And your faith can grow. So understand, it's not that you don't have faith. You do have faith. In fact, you're gaining faith just by listening to these broadcasts. You're gaining faith by listening to me speak and preach and minister and teach because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. So you're gaining faith as we teach. So you have faith, but it may not look the same as someone else's because your faith can grow and your faith can be developed and your faith can be strengthened. The Bible speaks of those that are weak in faith and those that are strong in faith. So you can be weak or strong in faith and you're responsible to develop your faith. So the first reason that if we're dealing with this today as a checklist, and that's the reason I started this way, the reason that I, I started here is because the, one of the first reasons that your faith may not be working in all these, by the way, all these are, are to get us to become introspective. Take, a, take stock of our lives and say, hey, how can I go higher in what God's called me to do? But the first reason would be spiritual laziness. Spiritual laziness. You can, you can look over your life and say, have I been spiritually lazy? And, and I mention these things and I'm not condemning medical attention or medical help or, or, or medication, whatever. Things that have helped people for years. And I thank God that we've come as far as we have and that people aren't still dying of the bubonic plague. I mean, I'm thankful for where we are. But uh, I would ask myself, am I being spiritually lazy? Am I allowing all of the things that are available to me 
to keep me from trusting God? Am I allowing the things that are available to me as a, an American or a Canadian or wherever you may live, in a, if you're in a first world nation watching today or listening, am I allowing these things that are available to me to hinder me from believing God? You know, it's interesting because the prophet Jeremiah wrote it this way, cursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back upon God. Think about that. He said, cursed is the man that puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back upon God. So the question is, do you realize that by only trusting in men, the Bible teaches you've turned your back on God? Well, the reason for that is this. Men are finite. Men are not infinite in their knowledge. They're not infinite in their ability. So what do you do when you get to a place in your life where men can no longer help you? What would you do if in your depending upon men that you ended up going through a situation where uh, there's no cure. You know, what, what do you do if you get in there and say, like, sorry, we didn't catch this, but now you have stage four cancer that has metastasized through your entire body. And, and we're, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. You've now gotten to a place where although you put your trust in men, there's nothing men can do to help you. It's over. And then you say, well, I thought that science was going to be, there's no surgery we can do. There's no chemo that we can do. We're, we're at the end of the road. You might as well go home and say goodbye to your family. We'll send hospice. It's over. You know, so there's only, you get to a place where there's only so far that men can help you. But you get to a place where you understand God is never in a position where he cannot help me. God is never in a position where he cannot deliver me. God is never in a position where he cannot heal me. God's never in a position where he cannot bless me. When you put your trust in God versus the arm of flesh, then you'll never be without hope. And the Bible says they looked unto him and their faces were enlightened and they were not and would never be ashamed, the Bible says. They would never be ashamed. Why would they never be ashamed? Because when they looked unto him, they were looking unto one who could never fail them. God can never fail and so you understand there's a power in putting your trust in God versus men. I, I refuse to turn my back on God by putting my trust in the arm of flesh or in men. So number one, I said, number one reason that your faith may not be working, it's time to become introspective. Is there spiritual laziness in my life? Have I allowed my options? Have I allowed what's available in the North American society to make me spiritually lazy and not put my trust in God? And so I, I had you turn to Hebrews 11 because you know, verse six, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those that come to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he's a rewarder of the, them that diligently seek him. So God has rewards planned for you. God has rewards planned for your life. God never expects you to seek him and not give you a reward for seeking. That's what Hebrews is t telling us here. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith. That means we must have faith and we must act in faith in order to please God. And so number one, there's no other uh, outlet. There's no other... Uh, 
There's, there's no other uh, way for God to be pleased with our lives except through actions of faith. It must be actions of faith. Now, if you want to get extremely heavy with it, and this is how serious the scripture gets, the Bible says in the book of Romans that anything that is not of faith is sin. Think about that. Paul the apostle taught that to the church in Rome. Anything that is not of faith is sin. So the reason God cannot be pleased with anything outside of faith is because anything outside of faith is sin. And so we've got to understand that it takes faith to please God. So number one, the reason that our faith may not be developed or that our faith may not be working is because of spiritual laziness. We've allowed other things that we have access to, to take priority over believing God, trusting in God. I thank God for parents that didn't run me to the hospital at every sign of everything that was going on. You know, oh, he doesn't, let's get him to the hospital, get him to the emergency room, get him to the doctor, get him to the, no, they prayed the prayer of faith. They laid hands upon me or my sister, anointed us with oil and, and trusted God to believe that what he said is true. That if he said he was a healer, he's going to heal us and taught us at a young age that the power of God is greater than the power of sin or the power of sickness, the power of lack, poverty, whatever. God's power is greater. And so we have to make sure that we never become spiritually lazy to a place where we're re we'd rather run to and trust in men than we would trust in God. Remember this, and I want you to put it in the comments section. God is not a last resort. Put that in the comments section. God is not a last resort. God is not a last resort. God is not a last resort. And sometimes people treat him like he is, but God is not a last resort. Very important that we understand this. Please write it in the comments section, whether you're on Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, God is not a last resort. And it's sad if people treat him like he is, but he's not. He is not. He's not the thing that you, he's not the one that you go to when you've tried everything else and everything else didn't work. Well, the medication didn't work. Oh, well, the surgery didn't work. Well, the financial planner didn't work. Well, you know, the bank wouldn't come through with a loan. God is not a last resort. God is not a last resort. He is the first choice for the believer. He is the first choice for the believer not a last resort. God, the creator of heaven and earth, imagine how he feels when his children treat him like he is their last option. Well, all, you know, you've heard people say, it makes me laugh. You've heard people make, make statements like this. Well, brother, all we can do now is pray. <laughs> people talk like that. Well, brother, we've tried everything. All we can do now is pray. Well, you should have done that first. Should have done it first. Well, we've tried everything now. We've gone through everything. All we can do now is pray. What a, what a crazy way to look at it. You should have prayed first. You should have prayed first. God's not your last resort. He's your first resort. He's your first resort. So the number one reason that we may not see our faith working is because possibly, and I'm not saying it may be in your case, but possibly we've become spiritually lazy. Number two, the second reason why our faith may not be working is because we do not have sufficient Bible knowledge. Sufficient Bible knowledge. 
or spiritually ignorant. Let's, let's put it that way. Number one was spiritually lazy. Let's put number two, spiritually ignorant. And I don't mean ignorant as stupid. I mean ignorant in the, in the terms of a lack of knowledge. Or an ignorance. I just was unaware. I was just unaware. And that's, that's what I mean. I don't mean that people are stupid. Just unaware. And when you're unaware, then you can't have faith about things you're unaware. Let, let, me, let me give you an example. <clears throat> Go with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 will show you what I mean by this. You cannot have faith for things of which you have no knowledge. You can't have faith for things of which you have no knowledge. That's why you can't be spiritually ignorant and expect your faith to work. Romans chapter 10, this is many times called the Romans road to salvation. And of course we know, uh, what Paul's teaching here is, is how salvation comes. But let me read to you Romans chapter 10, uh, verses, um, yeah, actually, you know what? Let's go to verse 13, Romans 10, 13, and I'll read through verse 15. Listen to what Paul taught. He said, how uh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay. Now look, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So notice what Paul is saying is, is, is this. Everybody that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But they can't call on the name of the Lord if they've never heard of the name of the Lord. And they can never, uh, or excuse me, if they don't believe on the name of the Lord and they won't believe in something they've never heard about and they can't hear about it unless someone preaches it to them and they can't preach it unless someone's sent. So there's a progression. And what he's saying is you cannot believe or have faith in something you've never heard about. I can't have faith in something I've never heard about. And let, listen, this happens all the time, even in the 21st century. Even in the 21st century. I mean, look at what happened when Paul went to Ephesus and he's like, he meets 12 men and he says to them, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? That's Paul's question to these 12 guys that were supposed to be followers of God. Did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? And they said this, we've not even heard that there is such a thing called the Holy Ghost. He said, hold on. <clears throat> then what baptism were you baptized with? And they said, well, the baptism of John, John the Baptist. <clears throat> he said, no, hold on. John the Baptist was only baptizing in water. And, and the Bible says, after Paul heard that, he made sure they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, which means he took them from John's baptism and got them saved. He got them converted to Christianity by getting them baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And once they became saved, he then was able to lay his hands upon them after he told them what this meant. He was able to lay hands upon them and they were all then baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. How come they weren't doing that already? Why were they not already speaking in tongues? Why were they not already Christians? They had not heard that there was such a thing as the Holy Ghost. 
So here's the point proven in the book of Acts. You can't believe on what you do not know. That's why the devil wants so badly to keep the church ignorant of the promises of God and ignorant of the mighty word of God because you cannot have what you don't know. You cannot have what you don't know. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17 is giving us this principle. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if the word of God, and by the way, let me say this to you so that you're not confused because some people are confused about this point is that, well, I've heard the Bible preached. How come I don't have faith for everything? Well, it's because truth is compartmentalized. And in fact, this is such an important point that I would like you to write it in the comments section, those of you that are watching. Truth is compartmentalized. It's compartmentalized. That means that all truth doesn't do the same thing. All truth does not do the same thing. You see that? Truth is compartmentalized. Please put that in the comments section and understand it that truth is separated. I always explain it this way. If you were to look at a ship or a submarine in the Navy, you would understand that in the lower parts of the ship, there are compartments with hatches. And if one of the, if the hull would be breached by, let's say a torpedo or something, or even, you know, a ship that may run into, accidentally run into some kind of a, a, an iceberg or something in the water that would breach the hull to where water is now running into the ship or the submarine. They have the ability by the hatches to close off that compartment so that the water does not spread through the entire ship and sink the ship or the submarine. You can, it's compartmentalized. The same thing is true with truth. Truth is compartmentalized. What do I mean by that? You have to hear the word of God preached on the subject you're believing for in order to gain faith in that area. My father has always said it this way. You get what you preach. You get what you preach. It's funny when people get frustrated that nobody is coming to the altar to be saved when they preach When they don't preach on salvation or righteousness or living holy or the fact Jesus is coming soon, they just preach whatever they want to preach and then they give an altar call and they're surprised when there's not a conviction there for people to come to the altar and be saved. Well, you didn't preach anything that would build faith in someone to be saved. So why would they then move towards salvation? You didn't give them any faith or any truth that would number one, convict their heart or number two, I mean, you know, you can't preach. Let me give you an example as a preacher. You can't preach on seven steps to having better work relationships and then give a strong altar call for salvation and expect people to flood the altar with tears in their eyes knowing they need a savior. Well, you're not, that's not what your message, your message didn't build the kind of faith or conviction to have that kind of a result. You get what you preach. You get what you preach. Now, if you were to preach a message on the importance of living holy, righteous before God, the fact that Jesus is coming soon and that people have to be ready to see him when he comes. He's coming for a, a, a holy and a spotless church. No wrinkle, no spot. You preach like that. And people begin to feel that faith being built in their heart. I need to serve Jesus. Or they feel conviction in their heart. I need to say goodbye, let go of sin, and take a hold of the, the gospel of Christ and be saved. It's different. Because what happened? You preached faith into somebody to receive that thing you're preaching about. 
I'll give you another one that's that that happens as well in denominational churches. They'll they'll tell you every single week at church that Jesus is a savior. Jesus is a savior. Jesus is a savior. Jesus is a savior. But there's many churches that'll never tell you that Jesus is not just a savior, he's also a healer. Or preach full messages on healing, divine healing, and encourage people that when we lay hands on you at the end of this service, healing is coming into your body, that we're going to impart divine healing and and heavenly virtue into your body. Preach the word on healing and then give people an avenue to be healed. The reason people's faith can be built to receive healing is because the word of healing was preached. You see that? And it gets into your spirit as faith to be healed. You can have faith to be saved, but it doesn't mean you have faith to be healed. You can have faith to be saved and healed, but it doesn't mean you have faith to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can have faith for all three of those, but not have any faith to receive financial increase. That's right. The Jesus you preach is the one that manifests. That's exactly right. So understand that faith comes by hearing a specific word, a specific kind of word. Truth is compartmentalized. So if I don't preach, so let's say, for example, <clears throat> that's why when people are believing, for example, for, for a healing, I don't just say, hey, just go get hands laid on you. You may be healed. But the thing is, can you keep your healing? Can you keep it? And the way you keep it is by making sure your faith is built in that area so that it can cannot be taken from you. You could see, because many times, and, and this may be hard for people to understand, but notice that there's two people's faith working together to bring forth a miracle. If you call upon the elders of the church, as James says in chapter five, and have them anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith, notice the reason you're calling them is because you have faith that what God's word said is going to come to pass. If I call them and they lay hands on me, I'll receive my healing. So the whole reason you're calling them is because you have faith. The reason they're praying for you and anointing with you with oil is because they have faith. So their faith combined with your faith is bringing to pass a miracle or a breakthrough. But the thing is, there's many people that lean on the faith of those that have developed it and will receive a miracle in the moment, but because their faith is not developed, when they leave the faith of the one who was able to get them into the miracle and go back to living their life and all of those things come against them to try to steal what God's given them, they lose the thing God gave them because they are not built to the place where they can keep what God gave them. And in fact... Number three, which leads right into this, number one, spiritual laziness. Number two, spiritual ignorance. You don't have enough knowledge of the word. Why do I say knowledge of the word? Because the Bible says in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free or the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So understand this, it is the truth of God's word that carries power to make you free. And if that truth has not come to you, and a lot of times, let me be very honest with you, a lot of times, I do not blame the people. I don't blame the people that need a touch. There are many times that I blame the leadership in the churches that have not sufficiently preached the full gospel 
and word of God. I blame leadership because understand this, there is a persecution that comes when you stand for preaching God's word. And at every level you preach it, there's a different persecution. There's a, there's a persecution for just being a Christian. Jesus prophesied that. He said, you'll be hated all over the world for my name's sake. Well, that's persecution for being a Christian. But then as a believer, when you start to preach Jesus is a healer and that he's willing to heal all and that, that by your faith you can receive divine healing and God's willing to heal anyone, trust me when I tell you. There are people, even in the body of Christ, that will persecute that message. And they would rather have you say, well, God is sovereign. God picks and chooses who he heals. If they even still believe healings working in the earth at all. There are cessationists that believe that the Holy Spirit ceased in his work after the last apostle of the Lamb died and that those things are no longer happening. So aside from those people, you've got others that even if they do still believe healing's happening, they say, well, no, God sovereignly picks and chooses who he heals. God sovereignly makes a choice from heaven and leaves some people sick while he heals others. And so when they, when they hear you saying, no, I believe Jesus' blood that was shed, stripes taken upon his back, was for every sickness, every disease, and all of sin, and that God's willing to heal all that come to him in faith. And they say, well, brother, you sounds like you're, you're giving people false hope. And then they start persecuting you for preaching a message that they're not willing to preach. But see, when you have leadership, imagine what will happen to you. I mean, I want you to think about this in a personal context. Imagine what would happen to you if you could not have, it, it's almost like, um, what's it called when, when parents keep back, um, you know, it's like when, when you are, your children are malnourished because you won't feed them properly, you know, and then, and then child protective services come and t take your children away because you've not been feeding, you've been starving your children. They're, you know, you go into some of these homes, it's sad to see what happens. And the parents aren't even, you know, some of them are drug addicts, some are alcoholics. They'll leave their kids at home to be raised by television. People come in, their kids aren't even getting proper meals. So their kids are malnourished, not eating properly and wasting away. That's happening in the body of Christ. That's happening in the body of Christ. There's churches filled with malnourished believers that the pastors are not preaching the preachers, the evangelists that come in are not preaching the full counsel of God. And you've got, you've got children of God that are wasting away because the truth won't be preached because they're, they don't want to deal with the persecution that comes from preaching the truth. So they just lay off that message and say, well, you know, let's just stick to the main thing. This, this is what they say. Let's just, you know, Christ is the main thing. Let's just preach salvation for Christ is the main thing as long as we can all agree that Christ is the Savior. Yeah, but if you believe in Christ, then you have to take all of who he is. You can't take one aspect of who Christ is and cut him into thirds and throw the rest of Christ out the window because you don't like the fact he's a healer. So you can't say, let's just stick to the main thing, which is Christ, and then say he's just a savior. He's also a healer. He's also the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He's also the soon coming king, and he's also the provider. He's also the one who brings you peace and joy. So you can't cut him up into pieces and say, let's just preach Christ the savior. No, Christ the savior is Christ the healer. Christ the Savior is Christ the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Christ the Savior is Christ the provider. He's all in one. You can't have part of him without taking all of him. But what they've done is that they've cut Christ up into pieces and they will only serve a piece of Christ to the people. 
And as a result, people are malnourished because yes, they're on their way to heaven, but they're sick in their body and they're dying because they've got leadership that will not tell them he's also a healer. Malnourished children, malnourished children. And that's what people are dealing with in the church, malnourished children of God. And you've got to have knowledge of the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. So number one, spiritual laziness. Number two, spiritual ignorance. See, spiritual ignorance. It's a big problem. And as I said, it's not always the fault of the people. And I know we have much available to us today on the internet. We could search and we could listen to preaching, teaching everywhere. We've made Miracle Word Radio available to you, the podcast, these broadcasts. There's a lot that there is to get a hold of. But, you know, you shouldn't have to go to a church where your pastor won't preach the truth. It's a sad thing. That's why I thank God for pastors that are Holy Ghost filled, that do not care what people think about it, that do not care about the persecution that may come from the message. They stand boldly and they preach the truth week after week after week. And God uses them to see miracles in their congregations and their churches are being built in the Holy Ghost. I thank God for men of God like that. I want to be connected with men of God like that who are not ashamed, who will preach the truth of God's word. Number three, it's not just spiritual laziness. It's not just spiritual ignorance. But then also, I want you to see this, that there can be, number three, a doubt that comes into your heart if you do not discipline yourself to live by and according to the commands of God's word and to receive them. Let me just say this. There's something here that's understood in Romans 10, 17, because I can prove it to you from scripture. There's something that's understood when we say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, obviously you're not just hearing the word of God, you're receiving it as truth. So number three, the the third reason someone's faith may not work, doubt and unbelief have crept in. Doubt and unbelief. I thank God for Pastor Brian Tomes as well. Doubt and unbelief have crept in. And so understand this is that when you hear the truth, this is understood, and I'll show you why in scripture, that you're receiving it as though it is true. Because remember this, do you think there's anybody in the Bible that preached a stronger faith-filled word than Jesus Christ? Nobody did. Not even the apostle Paul preached a stronger word than Jesus Christ. But understand this, Jesus had 12 disciples that went with him everywhere heard every message that he ever preached, okay? So let me ask you a question. If faith automatically comes by hearing only and not believing is truth, then how is it that Jesus' disciples all heard him preach every message he ever preached, but Thomas was still filled with doubt? Explain to me how it's possible that Thomas, being one of the 12, heard every message of faith, that Christ preached and was still filled with doubt. It's because faith doesn't just come by hearing. It comes by hearing and believing what you hear as truth. Someone could tell you something. Doesn't mean you believe it. I could come up to you and tell you something about someone. I could say, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear what he did? Let me tell you what he did. I, you know, You could hear that, but it doesn't mean you're going to believe it about that person. And so, which means that you won't take an action 
on what I told you unless you believe it, right? You know, we used to, people used to always try to start fights with other people in school. So you know what they would do? They would go up to somebody and say, did you hear what so-and-so said about your mom? This is what he said about your mom. Well, what are they, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get that person to believe a report that that person will then go and take action on. What? Start the fight. Start the fight. So what are they doing? They're trying to give them a word that the person will believe that will cause them to take an action. Always remember this. Faith is an action. Faith is not what you feel. Faith is not what you think. Faith is an action. Faith is a definition of what you do. That's why James, the book of James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith is an action. Faith is what you decide to do in response to the word that you hear. As I said a moment ago, why would anybody call for the elders of the church to lay hands on them? Why would anybody do that? The reason you're calling, that's an action. The reason I'm calling and going to them and saying, lay hands on me, anoint me with oil. The reason I'm doing that is because I already have a faith of what the Bible said being true. I'm going to now go do it. Faith, I'll show you my faith by my works, by what I do. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a, a, a thought. It is an action. So understand what we're trying to do is to get that word into somebody and get them to believe it as truth, which apparently Thomas did not do. He became doubting Thomas. Well, I'll not believe Jesus is alive until I can put my fingers in the nail scars in his hand. Well, what is that? I have to feel it to believe it. Faith doesn't have to feel it to believe it. Faith knows it to be true and takes action even when you can't see it. Even when you can't see it. So number three, remove doubt and unbelief from your life. And in fact, let me go with you to the gospel of Mark. The gospel of Mark chapter six. And, and, and Jesus even had to deal with this. Jesus went home to Nazareth and understand this. Jesus dealt with people that had doubt and unbelief. They wouldn't believe he was the Messiah. They wouldn't even believe he was the son of God. Look at this. The Bible says, uh, verse one of Mark six, and Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown and the disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters right here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And look at verse five, which blows everybody's mind. And he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. That's verse six. This is Mark 6, 1 through 6. And he marveled. Why could they not receive miracles from him? Why did they not have faith? Because of their unbelief. And look at this. And my father has preached this message for many years, and he called it the cure for unbelief. What is the cure for unbelief? Notice what Jesus did after encountering their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching and preaching. He went out among the villages, teaching and preaching. That means the cure for unbelief is preaching and teaching the word of God. 
Continue to build faith. Continue to build faith. Continue to build faith. Giovanna, I say the answer to that is that you keep on believing until it comes to pass. I would I would go into situations like that, not just in praying and professing, but in praising. I always encourage, don't forget this. Do not forget this. Prayer and praise is what brings the breakthrough. Praise is a sign that you have a full assurance that what you've believed and, and said and prayed is coming to pass and is already done. I would encourage you, Giovanna, with Acts chapter 16, that at midnight they prayed and sang praises unto God. And the Bible says the place shook and the doors all opened. Understand this. Brother Hagin had a vision of this when he was uh, praying one time. He saw a, an old school set of scales that you, would, that you would measure things on. And he said he looked at the scales and one was way up in the air and the other one way down to the ground. And when he looked at the one that was weighed down to the ground, the word prayer was in that scale. But when he looked at the one way up in the sky that was up high in the, in the air, it said praise. And he said to God, Lord, why are my people not seeing breakthroughs? Why are, not, why are my people not seeing answered prayer? And God said, there's been a lot of prayer, but there's not been much praise. And he told him this. He said, when your people, my people's prayer equals their praise, the breakthrough will come. Which means in the church, we've been heavy on prayer for years. We'll just pray, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. There's got to be a moment when you stop praying and you start praising that it's already done. And God spoke to Brother Hagin. He said, when their praise equals their prayer, the breakthrough will come. You're praising like it's already done. And remember, Giovanna, God answers and he inhabits the praises of his people. He lives in, dwells in. And remember this, no matter what it is you're believing for, that God, when he inhabits your praises, never shows up alone. The Bible says God travels with an entourage. Every time you see it, you know he's coming with other. In his presence is fullness of joy. That's Psalm 16, 11. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's 2 Corinthians three seventeen. So everywhere you see God show up, everything shows up with him. Joy shows up, freedom shows up, healing shows up, deliverance shows up. God always travels with an entourage. So when you begin to praise him, then what's with him also shows up. Your freedom comes, your joy comes, your healing comes, deliverance comes. And that's why I'm encouraging you is to not just pray, not just confess, but praise God. Amen. Praise God. Jump back on. Amen, Giovanna. That's right. And don't ever let go of your faith, believing God's going to do what he said he would do. God's going to do what he said he would do. Doubt and unbelief. You know, I don't, I don't believe, that's why we launch things like Miracle Word Radio, these broadcasts and podcasts. And also, what else did we launch? We launched Miracle Word University. Why did I feel to launch all these things? Not so, not so that I'd have something to do. I have more than enough to do right now that I can't even fit it all in my schedule. I do it knowing that there are people whose faith needs to be built to receive their miracle. And faith comes by hearing. So what do we do? We provide every outlet we can provide for your faith to be built so you can walk in the freedom God has planned for your life. Amen. In the freedom that God has planned for your life. And you will receive your miracle in Jesus' name. Thank you, Mackenzie. I love you. Let me say this. <clears throat> Number four, I'll finish with this one. Um, we've talked about spiritual laziness. We've talked about spiritual ignorance. We have talked about doubt and unbelief. 
And by the way, double-mindedness is as bad as doubt and unbelief. If you look at the book of James chapter one, uh, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that man or woman should not think or believe that they'll receive anything from the Lord. Double-mindedness. Sometimes I believe it's true. Sometimes I don't know. I don't believe it. I do believe it. I don't believe it. Don't be double-minded. Jump on it and say, God will do what he said he would do. Doubt and unbelief will not creep into my heart or my life. I will remove them by the power of the Holy Ghost. This word of God is working in me. So doubt and unbelief, they must leave. And then number four, let me say this. Actually, let me give you four and five quickly. Four and five quickly. Sin is a killer that kills everything it touches. And so if there's sin in your life, remember this, God can't bless sin. God cannot bless sin. Let me just give you one verse of scripture. This will be number four, is sin that's keeping back your faith from working. Notice this, 1 Peter chapter three and verse 12, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The face of the Lord is actually against those who do evil. So number four, and this really should be number one, is that if people refuse to repent, won't come to Christ, your faith can't work. Did you know the only prayer God hears? (laughs) The only prayer God hears from a sinner is a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of salvation. God's not in covenant with the sinner. Christ is not in covenant with the sinner. He does not have to answer prayers from someone who's not his child. The blessings of God are reserved for the children of God. So you have to have sin removed and get it out of your life. Allow the power of God to do the work, the blood of Jesus to do the work in your life. Accept Christ's sacrifice by faith and understand that when you become a new creation, then the promises of God belong to you and faith begins to operate. Finally, I'm going to finish in Galatians chapter 5. I want you to go there with me. This is a big one. This is a huge reason why people's faith is not working the way that it should. Galatians chapter five. Listen, this is such a big deal that I would take a minute right now and reshare this broadcast. If you haven't done it, share it. And if you have done it, reshare it. Because this right here, what I'm about to say, needs to be heard by the entire body of Christ. It does. This is such a vital thing that keeps people's faith from working that it gets me so upset. And we're living in a time right now in America and around the world where this is really being, this is really being, uh, it's a burning issue. And I'm gonna show you why in a moment. It's a burning issue that's keeping the church from moving forward into what God's called her to have. Galatians chapter five, listen to what the Bible says in verse six. It says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. As one translation says, faith worketh by love or faith working through love. Understand this, a lack of love, number five, lack of love will stop your faith from working. It'll immediately stop it from working. Number five, lack of love, lack of love, lack of walking in love. The Bible says that if you say you love the Lord, but you hate your brother, the love of God is not in you. First John, if you say you love the Lord, but you, but you hate your brother, 
then the, then the love of God is not in you. You can't be someone who doesn't walk in love towards people and think your faith is going to continue working. It will not work because love is the element that faith works through. Remember this, love is the element faith works through. It is the conduit. It is the pipeline that allows the currency of faith to flow and be effective. Love is the pipeline faith flows through. I know that's not grammatically correct. I'll rephrase it. <laughs> Love is the pipeline which <laughs> through which faith flows. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> For those of you that are English sticklers that are watching. Love is the pipeline through which faith flows. You can say it with, with the bad grammar. Love is the conduit. Faith flows through. It's the pipeline. If there's no love, faith's not going to work. You can't be a racist and expect your faith to work. <laughs> people that, you know, and people, there's people that think they don't think they are. But they have preconceived ideas. When you make judgments about a person because of their skin color, you have racism issues. Racism issues. If you make judgments about a person without even knowing them because they're black or because they're uh, Latino or because they're white, you see, when you make judgments, <laughs> I've seen it. I'm, I'll be real with you. I've seen it. If you walk through and you're in a store or you see somebody coming out of a store and they're a different ethnicity than you and they're walking by your car and you reach up and lock your car door because you saw somebody of a different ethnicity and you wouldn't have done it if it was a white person. You've got an issue in your heart. You don't even know that person. But you're assuming that they're evil, violent, or a criminal because they're a different race than you are. Ladies, if somebody walks by, walks by you of a different race and you clutch your purse a little tighter because they're not your race or ethnicity, there's something in you. There's something in you. And you need to watch your heart and you got to get love flowing. You've got to get love flowing right now. It's important. Faith works through the pipeline of love. Faith works through the pipeline of love. And if love is not flowing in your life, if love is not flowing in your heart, then your faith is not going to work. And you can't walk in. Now, let me give you another one. This, this might sound... Oh man, this is going to step on some toes. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Somebody did something against you years ago and you're holding a grudge. You're still to this day holding a grudge. Still to this day holding a grudge and have not forgiven them and won't let it go. Will not let it go. Well, there's a problem there. Why? Why is there a problem? Because my, my love is gone. And if my love is gone, my faith is gone. If my love is gone, my faith is gone. So don't allow your faith to be stifled by a lack of love. Walk in love. It doesn't matter what anybody's done to you. doesn't matter what they've said about you. doesn't matter what they, their skin color. doesn't matter. Don't allow what somebody else has failed to do to, cause, uh, to, to hinder you from receiving what God has done for you. Don't, you know, well, they didn't walk in love towards me. Who cares? That's between them and God. 
Well, they didn't do this for me. Well, they didn't talk nice to me. Well, they talk, they spread rumors about me. Who cares? That's not between you. That's between them and God. That'll keep them from receiving their blessing, but don't let it keep you from receiving yours. See, here's the mistake people make too often is that someone did something wrong to them. And so, and, and I love this. I heard a preacher say this recently. He said, uh, uh, offense is an action. Offended is a choice. Offense is an action. Offended is a choice. They might cause or they may commit an offense against you. Let's say someone spread rumors about you or said something unkind to you or, or chewed you out or whatever. That was an offense that they did to you. But then you now have a choice. Will I be offended? If I'm offended, that has nothing to do with them. Has everything to do with me. Has everything to do with me. And what, what happens now is when I walk in unforgiveness and if I get into offense, if I get into problems, it has nothing to do with them. That's my choice. I don't have to be offended. That's right. Put it in the comments. Offense is an action, but being offended is a choice. Offense is an action, but being offended is a choice. I don't have to be offended because somebody did something stupid. Somebody could say something about me, and many have. Somebody could spread rumors about me, and some have. Somebody could... Th those things are not going to change me because here's what I have to remember. If I don't stay in love, if I don't stay in a place of forgiveness, if I don't stay in a place where I'm walking in peace, what can happen is that I can miss out on my blessings because I'm not walking in love towards those. You know, walking in love would not be a choice that the spirit would have to empower if it was easy to do. Remember that. Walking in love would not be a choice that the Holy Spirit would have to empower as a fruit of the Spirit if it was easy. Everyone would do it. Everyone would do it. But the reason that the Spirit has to empower you to do it is because your flesh doesn't want to walk in love towards somebody who spread rumors about you or chewed you out. or It wouldn't be necessary for the Spirit to empower you to do it if everyone could do it. That's why he has to help you. And that's why we're filled with the spirit to walk in the fruit of the spirit to take an action that my flesh doesn't want to take. I don't want to walk in love, but I'm going to anyway, because I will not miss my blessings. I will not allow my faith to be stifled by staying out of love and taking flesh actions. In fact, if you go to a few verses down, 11 verses down in the same chapter of Galatians 5 to verse 17 you'll read that Paul said that the, that the flesh is at war with the spirit. At any given time in the day, your flesh man is at war with your spirit. Your spirit wants to do one thing, your flesh wants to do another. So they're at war. They're at war. And that's why the fruit of the spirit has to be spirit empowered and spirit led or else your flesh will just do what it wants to do and you'll miss out on your miracles. Four reasons that faith may not be working in your life. Spiritual laziness, spiritual ignorance, doubt and unbelief, or a lack of love. And you've got to do a checklist. That's why you've got to be introspective and ask the Lord, Lord, am I missing anything? Is there anything I'm missing? And I told you I'd pray for miracles at the end of this broadcast. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm going to pray for every person that needs a mighty miracle in their life. It might be mighty. It might be small. Doesn't matter what level you need a miracle at 
We're going to pray now and ask God. I've seen people that are in the hospital, people that are needing breakthroughs, people that are needing healing. There's some need financial breakthroughs, some that are writing in. They need depression to go, anxiety to go. We're going to pray. Father, I pray now for every person listening to me and watching me right now. I ask you to touch them wherever they are. I lose healing virtue. Touch their physical bodies. Lord, touch their families. If they're in the hospital, heal them today. I pray that every sickness, every disease would lose its grip on their life and that healing virtue would make them whole even right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I command headaches to go. I command every issue of the body to respond now to the anointing of God in Jesus' name. I take authority over anxiety and depression and panic attacks and suicidal thoughts. I command peace be still in Jesus' mighty name. Peace be still in Jesus' mighty name. I loose the provision of God for every person that's been faithful to uh, tithe and to give. Financial harvest, financial miracle. Come today for your people, Lord. I pray that you provide supernaturally. Cancel debts by your power. Erase debts, credit card debt, student loan debt. Let your people walk in freedom. Begin to build wealth in the kingdom of God and become generous to bring this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Father, for those that are believing for household salvation, children that are not serving God, husbands, wives, parents, I ask you, Lord, break the walls of hardness down from around their heart and bring them into the kingdom of God. Let this be the year that we can declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. We give you glory and praise. Amen. Listen, I want to strongly encourage you right now, every person that's watching, to sow a seed by faith. There's so many people that write in, they say, I need a financial miracle. You know what a financial miracle responds to? A financial seed. Miracles of finance don't come through prayer. That's why when you hear me praying about them, when you hear me praying and saying, God, what I pray is for every person that has been faithful to tithe and to give, loose those blessings upon them now. Why? Because I can't pray for a financial breakthrough. It doesn't work like that. Every financial harvest responds to a seed that you sow. And I want to encourage you right now to take a step of faith and sow that seed. You can do it four ways we have on the screen. At MiracleWord.com, you can sow a seed today. At PayPal, if you'd like to send PayPal, info at MiracleWord.com is our PayPal email address. Those of you that love Cash App and would like to do it that way, it's dollar sign Miracle Word. And then also right here on Facebook and, and also Periscope, YouTube, you can't do this, but you can on Facebook and Periscope, hashtag donate right in the comment sections. You can sow a seed by faith right now and God's going to bless you for every person. And I'll have a picture of it for you tomorrow, but we're releasing a brand new album, five hours of teaching that's coming out. It's already done. We're getting ready to ship it out. It's called what to do when trouble comes. What to do when trouble comes. We're packaging it. We're going to send it to every person that sells $100 or more this month of October. What to do with when trouble comes. We're going to send it to you as our gift to you to let you know that we love you and we appreciate you. Standing with Carolyn and me as we preach the gospel around the world and now are getting ready to take the gospel on television to 120 plus million homes, four continents of the earth. So I want to encourage you right now to sow a seed of faith. Here's the question you need to ask yourself. What is it going to take for me as God speaks? What am I going to need to sow that moves my faith? One thing that we've learned, Carolyn and myself, we have learned that faith levels are different for everybody. As I've just got done teaching today, 
faith levels are different for everybody, which means not everybody that's watching's faith is at the same place. For some people, do you know, it would be to sow $1,000 would not be a hard thing. They could do it and not feel it. Others, it's, it's not something you could do. But $100 is something that you could do that would move your faith. But the question you have to ask yourself is, what can I sow now that will move my faith? And that's what pleases God. Remember this. Any seed that you would sow that doesn't take faith to sow does not please God. That's so important to remember. My wife and I are very careful about that when we sow all the time. Is that any seed that you would sow that does not require faith to release is not a seed that's pleasing unto God. And remember this. God does not have to receive every offering, as the Bible teaches us. Did you know that God received Abel's offering, but rejected Cain's offering? You know why he did that? Because Cain's offering was not an offering God asked for. It was something Cain just came up with on his own. But Abel obeyed God and actually gave the offering God asked him to. And so God said, I accept yours and I reject yours. That's why I always want to make sure that when I sow into the kingdom, it's always something God is asking me to do and not something I'm flippantly doing that takes no faith. And so I'm encouraging you that are watching to step out by faith and to sow that seed today that's going to move your heart. And by moving your heart, it moves God's heart. And then when God's heart is moved, his hand is moved. If you're still watching, you're taking notes, you're putting it down, that's a principle that that is something you should remember for the rest of your life. When God's heart is moved, God's hand is moved. If you would, put it in the comments section. If God's heart is moved, his hand is moved. If God's heart is moved, his hand is moved. How do I know that's the case? Because our loyalty, our dedication to the kingdom moves God's heart. Second, Chronicles 16.9, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the whole earth. And what's he looking for? People whose hearts are loyal to him, to his heart. He said, when I find them, when I find them, I will show myself strong and mighty on their behalf. Yes, Harrison, that's the scripture. Second Chronicles 16.9, when God sees your dedication, your loyalty of heart to him, it moves his action toward you. It moves his action toward you. Second Chronicles 16, 9. He said, I'll show myself strong and mighty on their behalf. If God's heart is moved, his hand is moved. And he'll move his hand in your direction and bless you. That's his desire, is to supernaturally bless you. Hallelujah. I love you guys so much. And I want to say thank you to every person that's sowing a seed today and joining with us in this ministry to see God's hand move around this earth. Exactly. Uh, Samson, sorry, I just saw that. Uh, I, I don't tell you how much to sow unless you're going to partner with us. I mean, people are partnering with us at a minimum of $85 a month. Uh, if you'd like to become a partner, that's where people get started there. But if you're sowing seed, do what the Lord tells you to do. I'm not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will guide you, Samson. And we love you. And we're praying for your family as well. If God's heart is moved, his hand is moved. I'm going to be back tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m., and uh, we're going to keep on going. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost this week. God's doing something. Uh, I'm happy to be back home and with you on the broadcast. Once again, if you didn't sign up for the magazine, which is probably shipping out tomorrow uh, from all the uh, all the stuff I'm getting from Jenna, that's, what it, that's the deadline. Um, and if you're not a part of that, you want to be on that list. 
to get this fall edition of Miracle Word Quarterly. Um, and it can be found at MiracleWord.com. Right at the top of the homepage, you'll see the picture of the new magazine cover. Click on it uh, and you'll uh, be put, taken to a place where you can fill out a form and receive um, this edition and every edition of the magazine for free. It won't cost you a dime. And uh, we love you guys very, very much. Uh, one more thing I wanted to tell you. What was that? Uh, it just popped into my mind and I forgot about it. I was talking about the magazine. Um, oh, yeah. By the way, on the same place of the magazine, when you fill out that form, we have new emails that are getting ready to go out. Um, I'm working with our team. We just uh, flipped our email provider, so we have a better outlet now uh, to stay in contact with you guys. It's going to be so much easier for us uh, to do all that we need to do to stay in contact with you. So if you don't receive emails from me on a weekly basis, you can sign up on that same form, miracleword.com forward slash live. And we're, it, when you do sign up, you get a free devotional uh, that is sent to you. Uh, if you've never seen that, we have the um, Praise, Laugh, Repeat devotional, a 40-day ebook devotional that we send to you absolutely free uh, that I'm going to send you as well when you sign up to receive that uh, email and magazine. So it's pretty awesome. I love you guys. I'll be back tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Uh, this, uh, as, as always, this will shortly all be available on the audio podcast. And if you don't subscribe to our podcast, anywhere podcasts are available, we're there. Um, and you can just search my name, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., and you'll find it and subscribe. And th- thank you for subscribing. We're on our way to hitting 250,000 downloads of the podcast. Uh, so it's it's amazing what God's doing. I love you guys. Have a wonderful day. And uh, I'll talk to you very soon. Bye. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.